Welcome to That Artist, a podcast where we talk about all things art. I'm your host, Danny, And I'm Michaela. Let's talk about what's going on in the art world this week. How was your week? What did you do? Uh, it was actually pretty good. I'm in between classes right now, so it's been nice to just kind of take some time off after the horrendous semester I just had and just kind of relax and kind of get all of my thoughts in order before starting classes again tomorrow. So that'll be fun. I don't need um, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, I miss mean, being in school. Yeah. Because like, I didn't mind it. And I especially liked online school. I was so good at online school versus in-person school, I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I also would do that while working 30 to 40 hours a week. And it was so hard. I don't miss that part. Like, mm-hmm. if I could just go to school, if we could financially afford that, I probably would. But yeah I I, so for anybody who doesn't know me in person this is my well technically this is my third degree my first degree is a criminal justice degree I'll never do anything with I don't even think people know I technically graduated with one to be honest I don't even think family knows I actually graduated um with a criminal justice degree but um so I have my photography one that I finished last spring so a year ago and then um I started doing interior design and hopefully I'll finish that next spring and then just be done entirely. Like I love the college experience, but I live almost an hour away from my classes. So having a three-year-old and trying to juggle that plus running two businesses, plus the podcast, plus, you know, this, this, and this, it gets a little, a little stressful. So it's been nice to just kind of relax and enjoy. I did um, do something a little different this weekend, though. And What did you do? Well, I attempted to break a Guinness World Record. It didn't happen, but it was fun to attempt. Like just you or how, what, how did no, this go about? So, um, so I'm not far from Des Moines, Iowa for any of our listeners who are not familiar with us um in Des Moines Iowa they were putting on a like a whole attempt to break the world record for most people dancing to the wobble at the same time interesting yeah so it was a little different um I was hoping there was a little bit more people come unfortunately we did not hit the numbers that we needed to in order to actually break the record but it was a good yeah did you have fun though it was it was fun um it was for a really good cause it was a part of the african-american festival here Mm -hmm. in des moines um so even though it didn't happen it was fun to kind of be able to come together as a community for those who did come and participate in it so it was really fun plus my sister and her boyfriend came and they were celebrating their second year anniversary together. So Aww. happy anniversary to you guys. You probably don't listen. But if you do, um, happy anniversary. Um, they came and hung out with me on their, on their day. So I really appreciate it. But I'm going to be honest. I don't even know if I know how to do that dance. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even know how to do it either until I got oh, okay. there. Okay. Yeah. I was like, uh, there I were think a it's... lot of people who really did it. I think it's a little um, 
I don't want to say before my time and age myself here, but I think it's a little before my time. I know people my age who know how to do it, mm-hmm. but a majority of them have older siblings, and I'm the oldest, so I just wasn't exposed yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it really wasn't that difficult. I thought it was going to be a lot harder, but um, they had, like, a whole tutorial going on, so everybody was able to learn. There were firefighters who came out, the, uh, I believe it's called the Isisarets. It's like a the dance team in Des Moines. Okay. They came out um, after the attempt. We watched them have a big performance, and they did absolutely amazing. If anybody from the SSRS want to come on, come on here, we would love to have you because what you do is absolutely incredible. A, are they just a dance group, or are they affiliated with like a sport team here? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I really didn't. Um, here let me pull them up real quick um they are a drill and drum uh, team and they are here in des moines i don't know if they're all over or if it's just here in des moines but um they're okay so they are a nonprofit group um that was organized in 1980 to give the des moines area youth something exciting and positive to do within their community they are a dance and drill style um, group that um, have hip hop choreography and precise marching pageantry infused with, quote, amazing array of musical percussionists that pound out drum cadences in what many consider masterful perfection while always m- remaining in sync with the rock of the marchers, end quote. So they have kids from ages seven to 18 and they're one of Iowa's performing treasures. Wow. Yeah. It looks like um, they go all over the U.S. and do a lot of performances for a lot of um, people, and were even um, invited to the 2013 inauguration parade for President Obama. I do, Now that you say that, I do vaguely remember seeing that on the news yeah. about them being there. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're amazing. Um, we sat and watched the whole thing. What you guys do for these kids is incredible. Um, yeah, that, that's really all I have to say. You guys did amazing when um, I saw you. That was the first time that I've seen you. Hopefully, I'll be able to see you more in the future. Yeah. It sounds like it was a very good performance from what you said. It, it, it very much was. Um, I did record a little bit of it, so I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay, yeah, yeah. So send it to out. What else did you do this weekend? Like, what was the other story? I know you said you had one more story you wanted to talk about. I wouldn't really say it's a story. Just more like a proud mama moment. But Mm -hmm. also kind of like a proud artist moment as well. So my three-year-old has been really curious about my camera lately. And we don't let him play with it because I need that for work. And I can't afford to have anything broken right now um so the the whole plan for me was if he ever showed any interest I was going to save my first DLR, DSLR camera for him and I was going to give it to him as like a pass down kind of thing mm-hmm. um because we I really don't have a whole lot of stuff growing up I mean there was multiple of us so my mom just kind of always cycled things out and we didn't have a chance to really get attached to a lot of things just because we needed the space. 
Yeah. Um, and so this was kind of my way of giving him something of me. And, um, you know, because Justin, his parents uh, basically saved literally everything they had of his because he's an only child. They had enough space to just kind of put it up in their attic and always have it there when he had kids. And so now Jax has like a majority of his toys um, that he gets to play with, even like plushies and stuff that were kept really, really nice from when Justin played with them at his age. And he's able to play with them now. And so I wanted to be able to give him something. And I assume, or I I figured what better thing to give him than my camera, if that was something he was going to be interested in at all. And so because he's been over like the past few weeks, very um, curious about it, very touchy with my camera, I decided now would be a good time to pull it out and kind of show him the basics, throw in a kit lens. So if it does drop, it's not the end of the world. Um, But he did a very amazing job. Um, He did. He, yeah, and and we'll post it too. But if you check out our story um, right now, which is going to be gone by the time this comes out, so ignore I'll, us i'll post it <laughs> okay okay um but he did absolutely amazing with it he figured out how it balanced in his hands you know because his hands are tiny compared to anybody who typically uses a dslr just started shooting away and um we have these super expensive uh exotic hibiscus is that what they're called hibiscus flowers yeah okay um, that are like a hundred dollars a bulb that are insane. We did not pay for those. That's why I brought up the expense. It, they're just, they're so pretty and they're so unique that, um, we just kind of take advantage of having them. And so we took them back there and they just started blooming. And I was like, here you go, buddy. I showed you the basics, do your thing. And the very first shot he threw out was this photo of one of the hibiscus flowers and it's so good for a three-year-old I don't even think I was that good at six when I started stealing my mom's camera Mm -hmm. and doing photo pictures myself and so I'm just so incredibly proud and I'm so happy that he has taken an interest in photography and hopefully that continues but you know if it doesn't it's okay I'm one of those people who are very open to what their kids want to do, whatever that may be. So if it doesn't, cool. But right now I'm just just uh, enjoying the time I do have, I guess you could say, yeah. um, with it. So yeah, we'll, maybe, we'll post the photo. And maybe in a few years, it. he'll be your second shooter. Yeah. So I actually asked him about that. I asked him if he would be an assistant of mine. And he's like, sure, I'll be an assistant. And didn't say it like that. It was a lot more mumbled three, than that. Three-year-old. It was like. three-year-old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very three-year-old. Like, But um, I asked him how much he would charge. And he told me 300 an hour. And I was I like. I wish. I know. And, you know, part of me is like, okay. I mean, I can't really be mad because I've always really taught him that he needs to know his worth. 
But at the same time, it's like, you're going to do that to me? Like, like I'm proud because of, you're like a little businessman already. He's going to you know run to the ground. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> all of you are going to have to start. I'm going to have to bump my prices or something if my <laughs> assistant is 300 an hour. So He's gonna prepare, everybody. You are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But but that's what I mean. As as a parent, that's what you want. So I guess I can't be terribly mad because <laughs> he knows his worth. That's all that matters, I guess. But are you ready for some art news? I am. What do you well, have? We're only doing one art news this week, guys, and it's gonna be from me. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Warhol Museum launches. A $60 million expansion to establish a pop district in Pittsburgh. Okay. And the idea of that amount of money in my head is untangible. I don't, I can't yeah, I, fathom that. I could probably live very comfortably on $60 million for the, the rest of my life. Sam Riemann is the director of the Richmond King Mellon Foundation, and they are one of the top funders for this project. In a statement, he said that the aim of the initiative is to make Pittsburgh a, quote, national leader in creating new cultural models for American cities and a magnet to attract and retain young creative talent, end quote. This will be the okay. first part of a two-phase project. It will be extended to 2024, for which a majority of the 30 to $40 million budget will be secured through private donations. The local art scene in Pittsburgh is just starting, and it doesn't really have any major dealers wielding um, influence on the city yet. The base of young creators in the area are, is largely populated with graduates of MFA programs at Carnage Mellon and the University of Pittsburgh. Some sources in the area say that they even see changes with a lot of young artists opting to stay local during the pandemic, shifting to, to remote working instead of moving to larger coastal hubs because of raising um, prices and living. Wow. I said that sometimes yeah. and I hated how I said it, but it's fine. I'm not <laughs> <gonna do> it. <laughs> with, the, with the development of this project, the Warhol Museum plans to expand the Warhol Creative and Workforce programs aimed young people who are in debt through, like, starting in September. They will be focusing on BIPOC, LGBTQ, and immigrant workers. The museum said that the long-term goal is to generate over a million dollars of annual income for the workers within the program. Describing the project as a means to boost the local economy, it takes cues from Warhol's entrepreneurial spirit. Practice Moore, the museum's director, said in a statement, We now have a plan and resources to follow suit as an agent of change for Pittsburgh. End quote. Yay! Okay. Guys, I want I don't... you to leave this in. I want you to leave this in. I would just like I, I would just like to say I am very proud of you for finally getting through that. Oh, guys, I know that we was... talk about it a lot on here, almost every every single uh, episode. But if you guys knew exactly how many times it took Michaela to do those last two sentences, you'd be super <laughs> proud of her too. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know we talk about it a lot and it's probably really annoying. But I think that's this is episode eight and I think that was the worst one out of all eight that we've done <laughs> on how hard that was for me. Entrepreneurial is so hard. 
I love how you did it then, though. Like, you did it Oh, perfect. I did it. I did it perfect. And I also only, that wasn't even what I messed up on a majority of the time. I only <laughs> messed up on that one once. <sighs> okay. Guys, this week we have a great artist. Her name is Sabrina. And if you're annoyed of hearing me talking already, I apologize because this interview I did solo. <laughs> Danny wasn't feeling well that day. And we didn't want to have to reschedule with her because. You know, sometimes sometimes scheduling things are is hard when you have yeah. three people involved. And so we're like, well, not you know only, what? Yeah, and not only that, I mean, we have so many guests for upcoming months, too, that it, it, it gets very muddy if we're not careful. So, yeah. And so we just decided, you know what? I was going to handle it. I think in the beginning, you can hear I'm a little nervous, but it's fine. I also had to do, Sabrina, if you're listening, thank you for being so patient when I was doing your intro, because as you guys know, I never do the intro. Danny does all the <laughs> intros, and it took me six tries, and she was so nice and patient, because I kept saying she was from the East Coast, even though she's from the West Coast, and it clearly said that in my intro notes, and I just could not, I was so nervous, but we had a That's great okay. conversation. Um, yeah, we had a great conversation. I love her paintings. I think they're very beautiful. Um, how she got into art is very tug at the heartstrings, but it's helped her found her passion. That being said, um, I'm going to go on with the disclaimer that we've given basically all month, but then visible illness month. Um, some trigger warnings that we do talk about illness on her part as well but we also talk about childhood cancer and if that is something that is going to be hard for you to listen to totally get it do not feel like you have to listen to this episode go ahead and you know move on and either never come back come back when you're in a better headspace we get it and although we would really hope for you to come back (laughs) just saying we hope that you come back but if it's just want to throw that out there we understand that you can we understand that um, childhood cancer can is a hard subject, and mm-hmm. if it's something that you aren't in the headspace for right now, don't listen to it. It's okay. Don't put your yeah. mental health at risk for us. Absolutely. Uh, once again, with that being said, as I have all month, and we'll probably be continuing through with Pride Month as well, we will be including the number for the suicide hotline in the notes. If you need help, we really encourage you to reach out and get the help that you need. But without further ado, here's the interview. This week's guest, we have Sabrina Shang, a painter from the West Coast who paints watercolors and acrylics. Would you like to describe for us a little bit how you would describe your art to somebody? Hmm, absolutely. I really think I have a lot of vibrant colors in mind. And a lot of people look at my art and think it looks very whimsical, is mm-hmm. what a lot of people said. Um, apparently... I have a sort of theme going with my colors where they're very bright and some people say look a bit like candy. So <laughs> kind of Willy Wonka kind of style of things. And, Are there uh, specific things that you like to paint? Oh, I love doing nature. It's got to be my favorite thing. I love being outside. The West Coast is beautiful and it's super green out here. So we get to have lots of rain, which is fantastic. And we get beautiful trees and flowers. I just love being outside and being like, oh my God, that's beautiful. I need to know how to paint this. How would I paint this? And I, I just want to capture those moments. How would you say that your style differs between watercolor and acrylic? Are they about the same or do you paint kind of different kind of things? Hmm, let's see. When I started with watercolors, 
I went with a lot of florals and a lot more gentler looking images. Mm -hmm. And when I discovered acrylics that I could be so much more vibrant or even using white at the end of a painting instead of at the beginning yeah. meant that it opened up a whole other world of stuff. So in my original watercolor stuff, you'll see a lot more um, flowers and reefs and like more like I did a lot of Mother's Day cards, which were really cute, like little bunnies and chickens and birds. Oh, I love that. And now with the acrylics, I can be a bit more dramatic with stuff. So I will do um, sunsets, which because they have those very bright, vibrant colors, or I will do um, night skies. And I think there's some connection still with it, though. I feel like there's still a lot more stories that I do in between. Them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that my art tells something and makes you feel something because like all art, music or dance or whatever, if you don't feel something, there's no point in making it. Exactly. Would you like to tell our guests a little bit about what got you into painting? Oh, yeah. Well, I actually spent a lot of time um, about five years ago. It started. My little guy was born five years ago and he was born with cancer. And we've been living in and out of the hospital a lot since then. And when you live in a very tiny room without windows, you have to sometimes make your own windows. Uh, the windows opened up to like a brick wall. Right? And I'm like, mm, no, my little guy is going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show him the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was fall at the time. So I started doing fall pictures. So, and I was telling him, it's like, one day you're going to see leaves and you're going to see trees. And we're going to jump in big piles of leaves. And so I did a big fall one. Um, we started chemotherapy by Christmas. Uh, so I started doing winter scenes for him and telling him how one day he will go outside and, and we're going to touch snow. It'll be amazing. Uh, mostly I wanted to bring colors and light to his world. Yeah, that is beautiful. Does he take after you? Does he like painting and stuff with you? No? He tries. Mostly he's <laughs> in that stage right now where like if he gets stuff on his hands and realizes it's on his hands, he has to clean it like, like right it, away. No. But at the same time, he has like breakfast still in his face on and on his hair but it only like, matters oh. if it's on the hands <laughs> yeah because he can see it then exactly but like back of the arms all over is like it's fine would you say uh that doing art with him in the hospital helped you bond with him maybe differently than if he was at home and you weren't doing things like that to show oh, him the world absolutely like it was his only connection with the outside world that i felt i could show him mm-hmm you're not allowed to bring a lot of stuff into the hospital. Um, so pretty much just like everything was brand new and we opened it inside the hospital room and then you could use it, but we couldn't do a lot of other things. Like he didn't even take his first outside breath of air for I think 87 days. Mm -hmm. And I got to, yeah, I, I, you don't get to really hold your baby very much when they're covered in tubes and yeah. such. So it was one of the ways that I would show him. Um, and when they're, when infants, first start seeing they can only see like about like a couple of feet away yeah and so I had very very dramatic pictures for him to start a lot of black and whites and he would start grabbing at it his favorite was a penguin oh <laughs> yeah so we kept the little penguin picture next to him all the time and he would grab at the penguin oh that's beautiful um now to this day you said you paint a lot of nature still but is there anything else that you take from your life that you paint like um emotions or th do you still paint specific paintings for your son absolutely I mean there's a lot still for my little guy <laughs> just because he wants it he's like mama I like yeah. yellow today I'm like well I guess I'm making yellow <laughs> 
and uh sorry again could you say the question again (laughs) outside of nature is there anything else that you pull influence from like your emotions or specific things for your son that you see and you're like I want to make sure that he remembers this absolutely yeah so (laughs) through my own like medical journey too Mm -hmm. I've been there's been a lot of evolution in my art um and I have noticed that since they um about a year ago, year and a half ago, when I suddenly lost a chunk of vision and they put me on different medications, my mm-hmm. art changed drastically uh, depending on what I was on. And uh, for a while, I really wanted to do inks. And there was a time where I almost became manic about these these lions that I drew. And they're mm-hmm. gorgeous looking lions. And just like in one night, I looked at it, I was like, I'm going to draw these lions. I'm going to get down on these lions. And I was so, I had to finish these lions. And then the next, or that night, actually, I looked at him like, there's a mouse on this lion. And everyone's like, what? I'm like, there is a mouse face on my lion. I have to fix it. It is wrong. And then the next day, I'm like, oh, that's right. These medications can sometimes cause you to have manic episodes. And I'm like, okay, I need to calm that down a little bit there. So some of the stuff definitely reflects life and what I'm going through. Um, Sometimes when things are really, really frustrating or sad, I'll put it into art as well. Mm-hmm. there's uh, a piece I have where it's me walking on a tightrope and mm-hmm. on one side it's like all of the hopeful things that you have for your child and your family but the other side is all the incredible fears that you have about mm-hmm. losing your kid and and not knowing what to do and am I enough and you have to have to have this balancing act you can't be always crying over your baby even if they are fighting cancer yeah So it's, yeah, uh, it's a good way of getting stuff out. And it also, I think, helped to connect with other parents. Mm -hmm. You're not usually alone too. like, we're in our own little glass cubicles. Um, But they would come by and they would see the art that I had up on the walls. And it would be something that they would bond over or we would cry over, which is very similar. (laughs) Yeah. I totally understand what you mean by, um, like, your medication affecting your art because... I actually have bipolar disorder. So I totally got what you meant when you're like, I was manic and I had to do it and I had to fix it because that is the way I am with my art. And if you mm-hmm. even looked at my depressive pieces versus my manic pieces, they are extremely different. My manic yeah. pieces are super bright and oh, like almost to an aggressive like level of in your face while my depressive ep- episode paintings are very dark and like, to a point where my, my boyfriend doesn't even like looking at those ones because he's mm-hmm. like, I, I can tell which ones are your depressive ones and it just makes me sad. But mm-hmm. obviously I'm like giving off that emotion, which means the painting that I did my job yeah. of the painting. But it's super interesting how your state of mind can, whether it's on medication or, or mental illness or whatever, can drac- drastically change the style of your paintings. It's crazy Absolutely. to me. Yeah. yeah. I, that's the beautiful thing about art is that it captures a moment mm-hmm. and 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 you every time you look back at it you're back in that space again exactly but there's other times where I if I were to try and pick up that lion piece again and continue it I couldn't do it right now yeah I couldn't you're not in the I'm, same headspace yeah it's just not possible it's like you were a different person or you went in a different direction and you can't go back there like you said when you look at paintings you feel you're taking back to that moment are there times where, or let me rephrase that, because I'm sure there's times you look at those photos that you made for your son and you're obviously sad because it was a very hard time in, 
both of your guys' lives. But do you ever look back on those paintings and instead of being sad, think of like the memories that he made with them, like in a joyful way, or are all the memories connected to those paintings just uh, sad now? It's hmm. a good question. I think they're a mix. They're definitely a mix. Mm-hmm. At some point, I had a wall full of all the little animal friends. So there were six of us that we all got to know each other of. Yeah. And I drew all of our kids as different animals. Oh. Um, and so, I mean, it's sad that they were all together in that space. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like they were all really vibrant and brave little animals. Yeah. Like my little guy's always, he's a bunny all the time. And he's got like a little red superhero cape mm-hmm. on. And there was another friend and was like, what, what kind of animal do you think your child would be? And they're like, that, my kid's a monkey. And I'm like, absolutely, a person's a monkey. <laughs> we had another one. Her son, she said, is her little ham. And so uh-huh. he, was, he was a little pig. Uh-huh. And there's, there's a lot of mixture of feelings about it. Very nostalgic mm-hmm. and yet so very fresh. <laughs> the yeah. time that we went from this, it's like the last five years. So we were, you know. We were ready for COVID. We were so ready. We, they're like, we got to lock this down. I'm like, I got it. I never left. And, <laughs> and so we would just. You're like, I've already been doing this. I got it. Yeah. Like, don't see anybody. I'm like, check. Have hand sanitizers. Like, oh, my God. You're reading my mind. I was, I was with sanitizer before it was cool. <laughs> so it's like a, a weird kind of happy sad about it. It's like, we got this. I understand what you mean by being prepped for um, COVID because I have a still undiagnosed autoimmune disorder. Like they know something's wrong here. They just can't quite figure it out. I have other health issues as well. So like some of them have been solved, but they're like something's wrong here. We just can't figure out. So my boyfriend and I have always been kind of like cautious about that stuff. So when they were like, don't go out for two weeks, I was like, cool, I'll never leave the house anyway. Like they're like hand sanitizer and wash your hands. And I was like, I don't feels weird that you have to tell people that but okay yeah sure yeah, yeah. try not to cough in people's faces oh my like, god wow i didn't know that was so groundbreaking okay mm-hmm. so we've kind of hinted already at your illness but would you like to share a little bit about your journey with your own illness and how that's uh affected your art with our audience absolutely so let's see here. I suppose when you have an autoimmune disorder, you've probably had it your whole life and just never knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking back, you're like, oh, wait, all of those things. Uh, and it really came to a head about about a year ago when suddenly I'm like, you know, COVID was going on. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, my glasses need updating. Uh, is you know I'm going to wait. I don't need yeah. my glasses to be updated that much. Things got a little blurrier. I'm like, yeah, I'm just tired. Everyone's tired. And then I lost a, like 25% of my vision in my right eye one day. It just went black. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, I'm going to have to do something about this now. <laughs> and so at that time, I was about to leave to drive my son to a hospital appointment. Mm-hmm. And that is unfortunate. <laughs> and so I had to call up my parents and be like, you need to take him and do these things. And they're like, why? I'm like, well, I'm kind of going blind. Uh, and so they ended up taking him. That was super hard because uh, he had to go for a dental. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, three at the time, has had surgeries all over. And so they're calling and they're like, you need to help calm him down. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll work on that. <laughs> and I can hear him like screaming in the background. I'm like, buddy, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'd be there if I could. 
But it turns out that whole day I was with appointments for a good eight hours myself mm -hmm. where they're like, oh, no, this girl going blind. We should probably stop this. Yeah. And people calling back and forth. Um, they knew something had caused inflammation um, mm -hmm. and it was affecting the optic nerve, but they didn't know why. So lots of lots of steroids, uh, drops and oral ones. But they're like, we want to put you on this other one. You haven't had any of these things before, right? I'm like, hmm, hold on. What was that last one? They're like, you know, manic or delusions. I'm like, ooh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only when I was on a certain other antidepressant at the time did I have those. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, hold on. And that hold on lasted four hours <laughs> while they called different doctors to confer whether or not it was worth giving this medication to me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's like she might go manic. She might go blind. Oh, which, one? which one's worse? Yeah. So that was the beginning of it. And they're like, something's up. You need to go see other doctors. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, well, after like four different doctors, most of them thought it was lupus, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, like two of them, for sure. They're like, we don't see this kind of inflammation in your eye unless it's with people with lupus. And yeah. I'm like, oh, man, lupus. Everyone has heard of lupus. I don't know what lupus is. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, everyone's like, it's on house. I'm like, well, that that's helpful. <laughs> Never lupus. I'm like, well, that's not helpful either. Now I can't even use house. But um, after many going back to different rheumatoid doctors, one of them who just she thought it's not a rheumatoid problem at all and mm -hmm. then stopped seeing me. So I'm like, no, I'm going to I'm going to go find a new one. Uh, he thought it was Bechette's disease, which is fairly uncommon. Mm -hmm. um, and then after some more tests and then actually X-raying my spine, found out that the bottom uh, parts of my spine have been fusing together mm -hmm. and forming a solid, which is not conducive with moving. And in advanced cases of this, uh, it causes blindness. So I have been diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they call it AS or spondy for short, which is a cute name, or bamboo spine. And it pretty much just means your spine wants to be a solid and there's a chance you could go blind. So you better try and fix that. <laughs> it's just a good luck with that. Yeah. I understand yeah. that. And Danny yeah. and I actually have, um, we met, we were both photographers and I had been having health problems for a long time, like five years of going to so many doctors and no one could tell me what's wrong with me. They could all, some doctors were like, oh no like nothing's wrong with you it's all in your head it's just anxiety I had some doctors tell me because I got I got very very sick my boyfriend and I just started dating I don't think I've even talked on podcasts about like how bad it was but I had gone in about two to two and a half months from 130 pounds to 95 pounds I went from a mm -hmm. size six jeans to double zero and I was mm -hmm. going to doctors being like something's wrong something's wrong I've had, I had two doctors tell me straight to my face that it's all in my head and I'm actually anorexic and I wasn't sick. And I was like, I'm not anorexic. And they're like, that's what you would say if you were anorexic. And I was like, oh. I feel like this is not helpful. And it was so many times of like walking out of doctor's offices, like having to tell doctors, I'm not even going to finish this appointment and just getting up and leaving. Mm -hmm. And Danny heard through the grapevine about some of the problems I had and reached out to me. He was like, Hey, do you want to like talk about this with me? And I told her, and she's like, I think you might have this because I have this. Go to my doctor. And so we both have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So it is a connective tissue disorder. So we just dislocate joints. Also, not great for moving. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's a big lifestyle change for us. I'm sure you had to make two being like, oh, you have to have restrictions now because you can, I can actually hurt myself doing basic tasks now, which sounds dumb, but like I can just dislocate my shoulder from lifting up a box. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, I know I had a panic of when they said, I'm like, oh, I don't know what that is. And for some reason it was scarier that I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was. And I yeah. was like, because I told, I told a friend, I was like, what if it's cancer? And she's like, oh, that'd be so scary. And I was like, I almost rather it be cancer because I know what cancer is. Mm-hmm. Like that seems more tangible because I can understand it instead of getting a diagnosis because I've had two or three after that that's connected as like secondary illnesses to this. So I'm like, now you have to research all this stuff that mm-hmm. no one knows anything about. And I don't know if you have this struggle too, but like even a lot of doctors that I have don't know what it is. And I have, mm-hmm. I bring pamphlets now. It's like, this is my illness. Read about it before you treat me, please. Mm-hmm. And so it's more terrifying them like oh i don't know what this is did you have that same moment too when they're like we think we have this that you're like yep three different times (laughs) because at first they said it was lupus i'm like oh god i don't know what lupus is and then it's basis disease like oh god i don't know what basis disease is and now i'm on ankylosing spondylitis so yeah maybe third time's the charm yeah when um when they told you you have this and they're like okay this makes sense. Severe cases have losing vision. Did you have a moment of thinking to yourself, I may never be able to create my art again? And yeah. what was that like for you to process? Oh, God. So much crying. So <laughs> much crying. Because, like, the two things that really have brought me joy over the last, like, five, ten years have been dance. Mm-hmm. I became a ballroom dancer and becoming an artist. And somebody's like, your spine's going to fuse and you might go blind. I'm like, well, that's just, I don't know what kind of language I can use on this podcast, but that's just. Oh, you, it's explicit. You can use whatever language you want. Yeah. I think that's just, that's just fucked, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Two birds, one stone. You lose both of them. And it's possible that, yeah, it's like you could end up in a wheelchair. And, and like, if you do sudden movements, if parts of the bones that are fused together go wrong, you can become paralyzed. (laughs) I mean, that's great, great. Yeah, so there was a lot of crying in that. Oh, I'm I'm totally sure. Yeah. Did you, you know, cry? Was it all sad tears or did part of you cry because you were just happy to have answers? It was all. It was, it was all. The emotions. It's just like, okay, we know something. Now we can attack it. They're like, okay, we're going to try you on all of these meds, which feels a lot like Dr. Mario. Like they just like keep trying to throw stuff mm-hmm. in. Something's got to work. They've changed my medication six times in the last year. Yeah. And it takes, you know, it takes so long for it to take effect. And then they're like, oh, you're still going blind. That one didn't work. We're going to try another one. And that's hard. That's hard on your body, too. Hugely hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have put on so much weight from being on steroids. I have put on, I think, 60 pounds. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I like my clothes don't fit. And I'm wearing my pregnancy clothes again. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck bras and pants at this point. And like. There's no point in them. They cannot contain all of this anymore. <laughs> so I just like forget about that. And it's super frustrating. But at the same time, it is nice to at least know there is a direction that we can try. Mm-hmm. So that is a relief. But yeah, just like angry, crying, yelly tears sometimes. Which is like, are you serious? Are you really? <laughs> Why couldn't it be something like fantastic? It's like, 
Why can't you ever have like the manic delusions where you get puppies? No, it has to be that you see faces and things. <laughs> but no, never like, not very nice. Like I would love like a singing teapot. That'd be fantastic. Mm -hmm. No, you don't get Beauty and the Beast. You just get ugly things. Like <laughs> my brain sucks. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> totally. Trust me. Yeah, I kind of, I had a similar thing where I found out and it was a, okay, this is what you have. Here is the next, like, we need you to go get your eyes checked because you can go blind. We have to get an MRI of your hip because um, he, I told him, I was like, ah, my hip pops out all the time. Because like you said, when you've had an illness, you've probably had it your entire life. You didn't know you had it. This is a genetic condition I've had since I was a kid. I've been able to dislocate my hip since like elementary school and so I didn't know that wasn't normal yes like, I think that's what um, some people who don't have cr uh, chronic illness don't understand is you it takes long to get diagnosed because sometimes you don't realize that's a symptom you should tell people because mm. I was like oh everyone talks about their joints popping so it happens to everyone I didn't realize that didn't mean that people's joints don't pop out but just trying to do like a movement test on the table I started dislocating on the table and they had to stop mm. And so they're like, okay, you have to do that. Oh, you actually have torn every single ling ligament in your hip and you have nerve damage. You should have hip surgery at 23 years old. You need to go to this cardiologist because you have, I have vascular problems because it's all connective tissue. You need to go to this GI. You need to do this. You need to do this. I remember them leaving the room and I was like super happy because I had answers. And then I just started crying because it's so much overwhelming information at once. And then going home and crying to my boyfriend because I was so happy. And then two days later crying because I'm so sad. And I'm sure you have a similar experience of like even now. Like I've had this diagnosis for over a year. And or it's probably about a, a year like this month. And I'm like used to it. And I like talk about it and I make jokes about it. And I act like it doesn't bother me. but And it doesn't because you get used to living in that like state but then every once in a while you have that one thing that just sends mm -hmm. you overboard and you like can't contain it anymore like mine was I wanted to go to the zoo but I thought my hip was going to slip out too much and I knew that meant I was going to have to use my cane and I'm 23 years old and I hate how, like the looks of using a cane so then I just want to go anymore and I cried mm -hmm. do you have moments like that too where yeah uh, you're just done yeah yeah it just gets just too done. much yeah and it's just the nope nope today is a can't even day can't eat can't nope Nope, nope, nope. We're going to stay in bed. And like, my little guy is so good. He'll be like, Mama, mm -hmm. come play with me. I'll be like, Buddy, you got to just bring the Pokemon to me today. And we're, we're going to play right we're here. We're going to play in the bed. In the bed. <laughs> we're going to play in the bed because Mama's crying too much to move right now. And I'm sure and there's, I'm sure there's even people listening to this that's like, Oh, you know, that's, that's terrible. She's going blind. How can they talk so casually about it and joke about it? And you just, guys, you have to. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's yeah. like you you can cry or you can laugh about it. Yeah. Or we could do both. Sometimes sometimes it's both at the same time. And you can't Absolutely. you don't know why, but it's definitely at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you are still struggling with the blindness, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's more like vision loss at this point. Mm -hmm. It's not like chunks anymore, which is good, but it there are days where I can't read stuff and that's super frustrating. And 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 I'll like you know, do that thing where you like go from one eye to the other. You're yeah. like, oh, wait, no. Oh, no. Oh, wait, that's worse than I that. thought it was. Yeah. Or I'll put on my glasses and think my glasses are dirty. No, I'm just using that eye and it's not working so well. 
How does that affect your art now? Hmm. I try to paint during the day on only like sunny days. Mm -hmm. Uh, That way I get enough art light, but on the West coast, it rains a lot. (laughs) So some days are a little bit hard or I will wake up the next day and be like, what the hell was this? What, what did I do? That wasn't yellow. So it, it can affect my art a little bit. I figure like um, Van Gogh, remember his like mm-hmm. Starry Night stuff, because he had a yeah. huge stigmatism problem by the end. So I'm like, you know what? He's got that. I, I mean, he's already opened the door for that. <laughs> I'll just keep going with my slightly blurry images. And as long as people are standing back or maybe had a drink or so, it'll look perfectly normal. Well, it's well, just, it's a style. Yes. It's a style. And I, I mean, they're kind of fuzzy, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I think they're still quite beautiful. Oh, yes. I think they're beautiful, too. We, like, stalked all your art. <laughs> I, that's, what, that's my favorite part about um, this podcast is people sending us art and then me just getting to go down a rabbit hole being like, oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, I wish I could paint like that. That's so beautiful. So in your application, which everyone else hasn't seen, but you talked about acrylics that you learned. When you started painting acrylics, you learned that not all brushes are the same. So you don't necessarily use brushes with acrylics. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your way of painting with acrylics? Mm, Yes. So um, it turns out that there are different brushes. There's watercolor and acrylic brushes. Um, And when I made this changeover, it was because people just gifted me a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. But they also didn't know the difference. So (laughs) when I tried to follow and like make a painting, I'm like, oh, this isn't working at all for me. I just started picking up stuff around the house to use so a lot of my paintings especially my earlier stuff has no paintbrushes used in Mm -hmm. any of them I will smear paint around using like crunched up pieces of paper or uh, cotton balls or uh, toothpicks for anything that's really really detailed Mm -hmm. and it was just it worked so much better because the watercolor brushes are really soft and and like really long and so did not work the way I wanted and I was joking about how one day I was like, I'm going to make my own like YouTube channel called anything but a paintbrush. And it's all painting without a paintbrush. I would watch that. I think that sounds great. It's super interesting. With um, your vision impairness, is there a difference between you painting with other objects other than paintbrush, like paper or whatever, versus a paintbrush? Do you notice a difference when you're painting? Is it harder with a paintbrush because it's thinner details or is it about the same for you? Uh, when I'm not using paintbrushes, like my whole hands, like my sides of my hands will get covered in paint mm-hmm. and it's a lot closer and it's a little easier. It's not just the visual stuff, but um, it's also arthritic. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's hard to hold a tiny paintbrush. Yeah. Frustrating. Um, but it's a little easier to use like, um, yeah, like toothpicks and such. Yes. I understand the um, paintbrushing, which I've never, I guess, thought to use other media or other things to paint with and I might have to try that now because I have the same thing the um, joints in my fingers dislocate a lot so I have a lot of finger pain all the time and it's frustrating because some days you just really want to paint and you're like I physically can't hold this paintbrush and it's mm-hmm. it makes it uh, the emotional day even worse because now you can't express yourself the way you want to yeah you just get stuck exactly and you just want to be like well fuck you <laughs> but it's you <laughs> Exactly. It's hard. It makes it even worse because you're mad at yourself, although there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. So on days that you're not able to paint, 
maybe it's too cloudy or you're too sad that day or whatever's going on. Are there other things that you do to release those emotions when you maybe don't have the physical capability of creating your paintings? Mm. Let's see. It depends on what is hurty that day. If it's mm -hmm. like my back and hips, then I'm not being able to move too much. It might just have to legit like lay down and just cry for a little while until the pain goes away. Um, but on days where I'm able to get up and move, I'll try really hard to just be out and, mm -hmm. and walk. One of the big things about trying to keep your spine from fusing is to have lots of movement. Mm -hmm. And that's a little tricky when everything hurts. But if I can, I'll get out and I'll walk with my little guy and we'll go to the parks. Um, I took up spinning. So I spin poi and I spin staff. Hmm. And that has been wonderful and beautiful. Um, and I've, I'm actually going to be doing a class for the public in a couple of weeks in a, in a local park where the United Way has said, hey, do you want to do this thing? I'm like, yeah. And they've given me a grant to buy all the supplies. And Ooh. I'm just going to like get kids to come up, make their own poi and then teach them how to spin them. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. We're definitely have to make sure that we plug that at the end. So <laughs> that maybe people in your area, they can go check it out. Yeah, that'd be great. Yes. With, I had a question and now it's immediately left my brain as I started <laughs> the sentence. It's okay. Oh, um, you said you used to ballroom dance. Is that something that you're still able to do on good days or is that something that you've had to kind of fully give up with your spine mm. fusing? Well, with COVID, it's been hard. They shut down like all of the ballrooms oh, yeah. during COVID. Uh, and they've slowly started to open them back up again. I have gone once since then. And it is a challenge. Like, I cannot keep up with the stuff that I used to, which is very frustrating because I mm -hmm. think it's beautiful. Um, my favorite is actually blues fusion dancing um, with uh, tango kind of mixed in. And it's whenever I watch people do fusion dancing, it's like, you know, when you were a kid and you saw leaves spinning around in those like little mini oh, tornadoes? Yes. And you would jump in it because you wanted to just try and spin around with the leaves. And that's what it feels like when I'm on the dance floor around all these other dancers. Like there's all these really pretty leaves and they're all doing something different. And I just want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And that's, this is like, I just want to be a leaf on the wind. <laughs> Spin. Um, do you have to dance differently or maybe adjust the styles now with your illness? A bit. Um, I have to be really careful with my right knee mm -hmm. a lot. Like it just sounds a bit like Velcro whenever it moves. Um, and <laughs> I just, have to rest it or wear a knee brace yeah and be real careful with it yeah i understand that mm -hmm. with your paintings you said obviously medication has changed your style and probably over the five years your skills have improved is there something or goal that you're working towards of like okay i I want to try paintings outside nature. I want to try doing portraits next, or I want to start trying to do architecture. Is there something, do you have a goal in your art that you're trying to work towards? Or is it just kind of, I'm going to paint what makes me happy and hopefully everyone enjoys it. There's a bit of that. I have to say, <laughs> just <laughs> like a, you know, a lot of the times I see stuff that I just think is beautiful and I put them together and try to make my own version of it. Mm-hmm. But my sister, we are very hopeful for her. They've been trying to adopt for quite a while. That's um, wonderful. And, uh, and it's been, you know, quite a process, especially when COVID hit, because they were trying to adopt from Vietnam. Mm. 
all international adoption just shut down. Shut down, yeah. Uh, and now they're trying. They're, we're very hopeful for them. Um, and if they get a baby soon, which we're hoping for, they want me to do like a big canvas. And they're big Disney fanatics. <laughs> Apparently, either you really, really love Disney or not. Uh, that's where they are right now. It's actually in Disneyland. And uh, they want to have uh, a big thing on the on the wall for them. And I've never done a canvas the size that they're talking about, but I would love to be able to try it. So that's my next big thing is a giant canvas of the Disney castle <laughs> with them in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's going to be hard. Do you think it's going to take you a couple of days or are you going to try to bust it out in one sitting? <laughs> no, that's going to take a couple months. <laughs> I'm guessing. Like I can only paint for like a little bit at a time. Yeah. And then my hips are like, yeah, like, you know what? No, we got, we got to move this booty a little bit more. I totally understand. If there is someone out there that maybe just got the same diagnosis or mm -hmm. maybe is even sitting in the hospital right now with their young child, what advice do you have for them? In the way of art, goodness, your life is going to feel very out of your control a lot. And you're going to feel like you can't help yourself and you can't help your own children. And you're going to be so frustrated. And you need to get that out of you or it will just eat you up inside. Mm -hmm. And you think it's like, well, why do I want to get all the yucky stuff out? Then the rest of the world see it. it's like, but the, once you get through the darkest part of the tunnel is when you're able to get through to the other side. Yeah. And until you're able to express that in however it is you can, if art or talk or dance or whatever it is, you need to do it in order to move on. And if life is going to make things hard at some point, you have to just choose to be happy. And yeah. it's like, you know what, I'm going to fight this and, you know, just screw you for trying to stop me. I'm going to try and be happy and find your own way of doing it. And even if you think it's like no one will ever appreciate it, you're not painting for them. You're not making art for them. You're making it for your own goodness and for your own happiness. So make it big and make it messy. It doesn't matter as long as it gets out into the world where it belongs. Exactly. So we're actually at the 45 minute mark now. So we're going to be wrapping up, but I would love for you to plug your class as well as um, any socials where, where people can find you and your art to see it all. Oh yeah. Sounds great. I'm part of a very tiny eclectic art collective. Um, we have a blacksmith and Ooh, nice. we, yeah. And we have another artist uh, where we also have a, a chef. So that is hammerandpen.ca. Um, and you can find a lot of our blogs on there and some of our products. Uh, we can also find us on Instagram, Hammer and Pen Co. And uh, the POI class is done by United Way if you're in the lower mainland area in Coquitlam. It's a very, very tiny, tiny little spectrum of people. <laughs> you happen to be in the area. I am teaching a class on a Saturday. Oh, sorry, just trying to find my calendar. No, which is my it's okay. No problem. And can I find my phone? Can I find my phone? One sec. I oh. lose my phone even when it's in my hand. <laughs> I totally understand. Have you ever done that where it's just like, hang on, I can't find my phone. Oh, I'm talking on it. Yes, all the time. Yes. All the time. Once I tried to use the find my phone app on my phone to find my phone, it was a really bad brain fog day. And I was like, oh, it's I'm using it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. I found it. I found it, guys. Yeah. I got this. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, so... 
Project Poi is June 4th. It's a Saturday. Um, it goes from 11 until 3. And Perfect. yeah, everybody in the neighborhood can come. You're just going to, you'll find stuff online to sign up with the United Way. Uh, and you get all your stuff. Um, you get a snack and you get a lesson. Guys, you get a free snack. If that's not a reason to go, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you. Thank you. If you'd like to keep up with That Artist off-air, you can find us all over social media. You can find us on Facebook at thatartist.fb, on Instagram at thatartist.ig, and on TikTok at thatartist.tiktok. If you're interested in coming on That Artist as a guest, you can email us at thatartistpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, bye!